Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. And as acknowledged already, we acknowledge again because of its value to all the fathers in the house. Happy Father's Day. Happy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because between the Sunday and Saturday is probably your, your work week and you need them to be happier than any other days. The Lord is not looking for just a few good men. He's looking for all good men and all men to be men of God. And I give my commendation to you, Pastor Chad, and this group of brothers for presenting themselves to lead us in praise. Thank you, brothers. Amen. After you're singing the next service, you may have the rest of the day off. You've done so well. And the Lord is faithful to us. In a moment, we'll turn in Scripture, uh, but let me observe a couple things that I want to say out of gratitude first. That last Sunday, I was inspired to and led by the Spirit, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and by several in our church family that we should fast and pray in the near future for my total healing and that of my wife Valerie and so we called that fast this past Wednesday and many 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 of you I, I, it's not the numbers of you that I'm after it's the fact that to whatever level you could have been involved you were involved and I, I want to tell you that the Lord honors His Word. The problem with me is I've got to believe His Word. And I believe the Word that He honored. And I'm saying to you that while God has begun the healing process in my body from February the 3rd, the day that I became involved in the issues of my health that set me back a while, from that day, God began the healing but I'm claiming this past Wednesday, and I'm, um, that is the seed that is in the soil that the harvest keeps coming every day for Valerie and I. And I want to thank you. Would you thank the Lord with me? I want to thank you. I want to thank you very much. And I know you're standing, but I, indulge me. Uh, men, uh, this man, we often struggle with ego and pride. And especially preacher men, because we have made ourselves and others have made us to be people on a pedestal that don't get sick, don't have worries, don't have cares, God's men of faith and power. And we need to let you know along the way that we have sicknesses sometimes. We have fears sometimes. Our families get attacked sometimes. And the devil knows that if he can touch the head of the anointing and the covering of a church, he'll try to afflict the whole church. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I am well in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I'm going to keep getting better, and you are going to keep getting better because the anointing flows upon you, and your children are going to keep getting better. But I'm grateful, thankful for your prayers. I'm also thankful for the men's prayer ministry. Every Monday night, the men's prayer ministry meets from 7 to 8.30. Uh, lately, I've not been able to be there because of the situations in my, in my health, but 
But I want to say to all you men from 7 to 8.30, come as you are, the prayer room to my right in this new building. And come and pray and, and make new friends, have a small group fellowship, bring your burdens with you. Uh, uh, we, we say about the men's prayer, uh, this may be a poor example, and I don't mean for it to be uh, sacrilegious. But they say about Las Vegas, Nevada, and people who go there and do stuff, that whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, when you bring your prayer request to the Amen's prayer room, and they're personal, whatever is said there stays there, but the Father knows it. Okay? And that's better than being in Vegas with all that's going on. So I want to thank you. I also want to thank Darren Fitzwater. I don't know if you're in this service, Darren. If you are, would you hold up your hand, Darren? If you're in this, uh, you, well, if you're not in this service, you have a right not to be, but I do hope you're in the second one. Darren is the leader of our Royal Rangers Boys Ministry under the covering of Pastor David. And he has a family, he has two jobs, etc. But on Friday and Saturday, he had a father and son outing at Lake West Point. I guess about 40 of them went out and spent Friday and Friday night camping and on the lake. And some of the boys whose dads are not in their home, Darren just sacrificed his time. He did it uh, last year with a few old boys. And one boy said that Darren uh, said, thank you, Mr. Darren. This is the greatest day of my life. Do you know it doesn't take a whole lot to love on a child and love on a boy or a girl and just spend a little time with them to change their life? So God bless Darren. Can we, can we thank the Lord for that? Amen. Second Samuel, one verse. What I want to share with you comes out of more than one verse. But I would like you to go to chapter 18 and verse number 33. And with the help of the camera and the, and the folks who helped me with the PowerPoint, we're going to make it through together as I want to give a teaching today entitled Fatherhood Without Regrets. Fatherhood Without Regrets. I've got a kind of this idea from the Holy Ghost that, and from the Bible that God has an hierarchy of order and authority. Give me, give me a witness. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, Creator, Sustainer, Savior of the world and the universe. They are, and God is, the highest order of authority. But then He sends it on down through the angels, and He sends it on down through men, and then through women. And the idea I got is if we men can become better men, the women are going to be okay. If we fathers become men of God, our wives and children are going to be okay because we'll cover them right. Give me an amen. If we men, young men, teenage boys, single dads or, or, or dads of granddads, or what, if we can get in a place where we have a walk with God that is anointed and that is led by the Spirit, then we are going to know how to be a better covering to those whom God have given us. One verse out of the story, the life of David. And I don't have the capacity to read it as emotionally as it should be read. But I will do my best. Verse 33, 2 Samuel chapter 18. Then the king was deeply moved. And he went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. 
And as he went, he said this, thus. O Absalom, or rather, O my son Absalom. My son, my son Absalom. If only I had died in your place. O Absalom, my son. My son, it sounds to me that here is a father with a few regrets. Point your hands this way, please, would you? Would you offer a few seconds of prayer on my behalf? Because I can only help you if he helps me. And you can only help somebody else if he helps you. Would you verbalize that prayer and begin to pray for a fresh anointing Pastor Darrell has already? But we're going to just add to it. Father, I thank you, Lord. For this Father's Day, June 16, 2013, I thank you for everyone who have made their way to this service. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit in and among us. Say amen, church. You, Holy Spirit, be the teacher. Just let me be the vessel. Give, give me an amen, church. You, Holy Spirit, be the life changer. All of us needs our, would say there is something or some things in our lives that we cannot change in our own power, but the Holy Spirit, the power of God, can bring these things under control. I pray, O oh God, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you would revive us again. We don't need just good fathers at South Metro Ministries. We need great fathers from New York to California and from Texas all the way to the Canadian border. Give me an amen. We don't just need good fathers, oh God, in, in the workplace and men. We need men of God all over the world. Include us today and fill us with your spirit in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. And you may be seated in His presence. Pastor Darrell came up to you and prior to the offering, he said, I've been instructed to raise $6 million. And he has been. I said to Ann, who normally conveys to which of the brothers who will do the prayer, and on Sunday mornings, that is shared in one service by Pastor Darrell and is shared in another service by Pastor Jeff. And usually they do the prayer and receive the offering. And I follow after the song with the message, of course, which is what I'm doing now. And so I said to Ann, I said, tell Pastor Jeff and Pastor Darrell as their spiritual father that I would like to instruct them to raise $6 million today so the church could be debt free. Well, how do you say no to your spiritual father? Come on, man. I want you to know that we are paying our bills and God is helping us because you give to the work of the Lord. I want you to know that nothing would make me any more happier, I don't suppose, than somebody give a gift of $6 million. Uh, somebody give a gift of a million dollars. But I also want you to know for every dollar that comes in, I give God the praise. And, I, and I'm just saying to you this morning that even though we are in the building, we have borrowed money for the building. And we have borrowed money for our youth facility, our children's facility, our furnishing, 
And every time you come to church, do not come empty-handed. Bring an offering to the Lord. We're not just paying off the debt. We're doing ministry. Can I get an amen there? Because the first person that gets blessed when you obey is you. And I thank God for your obedience. Father's Day. There are a lot of comical things that can be said about fathers because they're true. And then, then in the nature of this message, I thought, Lord, how can I tenderize this message? Because it, it has implications of a serious content. And so, you know, fathers, uh, they, uh, they're just who they are. And, and we get uh, some thoughts about growing up and things fathers say and do. Someone wrote these, these humorous words entitled, The World According to Dad. And these are some words that most dads have said at some time or another to their children. I won't say all, but here's the kind of way that we dads have spoken to our children in the past. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Quiet. I'm watching the ball game. Don't forget to check the oil in the car. Most young people now don't even know where to find the engine, but that's another thing. You've heard this from your dad at one time or the other. Bring back all the change. All the change. You've heard this from your father when you've asked him a question and he doesn't know the answer. And he says, how should I know? Ask your mother. What do you think I am? Made of money? And then you probably heard this from your dad. When I was your age... I walked five miles to and from school each day and it was uphill both ways. You've heard this from your dad. If you break your leg, don't come running to me. Don't put your feet on the furniture. Your mother will kill you. And then one more. Get down from there before you kill yourself. On second thought, go ahead. One father said to his daughter, What's wrong, Judy? You usually talk on the phone for hours, honey. This time you only talk for 30 minutes. How come? Judy replied, It was the wrong number. <laughs> Dads, we are a mystery. But I trust we are needed. So I begin. I have a book in my library entitled, The Man in the Mirror. It was written some years ago by noted Christian businessman, Patrick Morley. And in his book entitled, Man in the Mirror, he tells that as a young businessman, he made it a habit to always ask older men what their greatest regrets were. He did so in hopes of gleaning some wise tips for his own life. And while regrets varied all over the map, so to speak, there were two regrets that showed up on virtually every man's list. First, 
a man would say, I was so busy taking care of company business that I never put my financial house in order. Now I have a few years to do what I should have done in 40 years. Then he would say a second answer to his question about regrets went something like this. I was so busy trying to improve my family's standard of living that before I knew it, my children were grown and gone and I never got to know them. Now they're too busy for me. The bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the bottom line is that no amount of success at the office can compensate for failure at home. No father on his deathbed has ever said, I wish I spent more time with my business. Some years ago, evangelist Dr. Billy Graham, who is now perhaps in his early 90s, one of my heroes. Some years ago, Dr. Billy Graham was asked that if he had to do it all over again, his life that is, what would he do differently? He responded by saying, I would spend more time with my family. No doubt, the greatest evangelist of the 20th century and the 21st century, no doubt, Dr. Billy Graham perhaps is the greatest evangelist since the Apostle Paul. And he said if he had to do it all over again, the one regret he had, is that he spent too little time with his children and his family. Some years ago, a noted country music star by the name of Conway Twitty, and some of you maybe remember his music, he passed away unexpectedly. After his passing on a television interview, his daughter was asked this question about her dad. What will you miss the most about your daddy? Without hesitation, she said, his hugs. I'll miss his hugs. And with tears in her eyes, she added these words. He had the ability to hug you even over the telephone. She added, and I thought, what a beautiful thing. This man, this father would do to take the time to hug and love on his child or children. Can I get an amen? amen. Sirs, hugging and loving your son or daughter, I don't care how old they are, is not a sign of being weak or effeminate. It is a sign of saying, God gave you to me. You are valuable to me and I will always love you. You're never too old for a hug from your dad or to hug your children. When we look at our text this morning found in 2 Samuel chapter 18 verse 33, we find one of the most lamentable cries in all the Bible. It is a father. His name is David. It is a father weeping and sobbing, if you will, over the death of one of his sons whose name was Absalom. 
But if you'll read the events preceding the text and study the father-son relationship of David and Absalom, you will discover, like I did, that this was not only a cry of lament, but it was a cry of painful regret. Perhaps if we study for a few moments David's regrets, we can avoid our own. Many of you know very much about the life of David. I won't take the time to elaborate, but to tell you that from his boyhood, God anointed him. To tell you that in David's life's history, and I think it was last year or year before, I did a series of sermons on the life of David. David was one of the most remarkable kings of Israel. David had many wonderful traits and characteristics and accomplishments that made him to become known as a man after God's own heart. He did remarkable feats. But there was one area in his life in which he failed miserably. David failed miserably as a father. And I'm wondering today, how can we learn from David? Lesson number one, if you will. He regrets neglecting his son. Absalom, of whom we read about this son, Absalom's life had been scarred by his father's neglect. David, too busy with the duties of the kingdom and the empire, failed to give Absalom the time and the attention he needed. For King David, as there are for many dads in your line of work, but David being a king, we're talking about his work. For King David, there were always important people calling on him. There were always heads of states to entertain at the palace and other dignitaries. No time for Absalom today. For King David, there were major decisions to be made. Board meetings, planning of military strategies against the enemy, key events to attend to. No time for Absalom today. But the king had it in the back of his mind. There will be time for Absalom next week. Next month, I got a free few days on my calendar and there'll be time for Absalom and we'll get together then. And when we do, we'll have a good time then. Some years ago, Harry Chapin, and I may not pronounce his name right, but he wrote a song entitled Cats in the Cradle. And the words, though written many years ago, is very much 21st century. It's very telling. It's a little lengthy, the verses, but it gives the message that I need for you to hear and I need to hear as a male and a father. 
It goes like this. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking, for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. Next slide, please. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. Proceed, please. And those of you at the back, I'll just let you control this part of the slides. My My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he smiled and walked away, but his smile never dimmed. And he said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be like him. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came home from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and man in the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, dad. You know we'll have a good time then. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, dad, if I can find the time. You see, my job is a hassle and the kids got the flu. But sure been nice talking to you, Dad. It sure been nice talking to you. And the final phrase goes like this. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he's grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and man in the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when. But we'll get together then, Dad. You know, we'll have a good time then. I said that to say to you that love is not spelled T-H-I-N-G-S. Love is spelled T-I-M-E, time. You ought to give the Lord a hand clap. David went to his grave with the regret that he neglected his son. Hear me when I tell you this morning. The sad tragedy of David and Absalom's relationship was that the Bible tells us They never got together meaningfully and there are no records that they ever had a good time. 
If we end up with regrets over the time we didn't give our children, it's a pain that we will never get over. So I'm saying to you today, cars come and go. Houses rise up and fall down. Clothes wear out and have to be replaced. Somebody help me here. Jobs come and go. And play things like boats and golf clubs and all of those are in their right place. But if they ever take the place of the time that you need to spend with your son or your daughter or your wife or your family, you will never get to make it up again. But thank God we can start today and have few regrets. Number two, if you'll put it up on the screen, David regrets failure to deal responsibly with his son. I'm teaching you. God's teaching me. During Absalom's childhood, his most impressionable years, his hero and role model collapsed. I'm not speaking here of anybody else but David, his father. My father is 83 years old and will be preaching this morning. I am 56 years old and my hero is Sam Matura who lives in Greenville, South Carolina. I love a lot of preachers and I listen to a lot of preachers. One of my favorite preachers of all times is Bishop T.D. Jakes. I love to hear John Hagee. I have great respect for Beth Moore and her ministry and Joyce Myers. And I don't know what your career is and your vocation and your hobby is. In sports, I have some heroes. I'll never be like them. Some of them in basketball. I'm just saying, I ain't going to be like them. And I've read a lot of good books. Got a lot of sermon series. Pastor Chad, great tapes of great evangelists and preachers. But my hero is known as Sam Matura. Absalom, in his most impressionable boyhood years, says, I'm going to be like you, Dad. I'm going to be like you. I know you're a king and you're mighty and powerful, but I really, I don't even know if I'm going to be a king. I just want to be like you, Dad. But while he was growing up, his hero failed him. David did not collapse from the pressure of being king over millions. David collapsed on two separate fronts. Number one, he collapsed, if you'll put on the screen, because of compromising his sexual purity. Compromising with another man's wife. Her name was Bathsheba. David had more than one wife as the king and Old Testament allowed. And he had concubines. There was not a lack of available, proper, intimate relationships if he needed that. But he saw another man's wife bathing on the rooftop as he was on the rooftop of his palace. Summoned her to the palace, committed adultery with her. And after a couple of so months found out she was pregnant with their infidelity. And he tried to cover it up 
but eventually murdered the man's, pardon me, the woman's husband by the name of Uriah. So David failed as a father morally and he failed spiritually by way of adultery and murder. And I'm saying that to you that if that wasn't enough, later on in Absalom's life, he had to face the horrible news that Amnon, A-M-N-O-N, Amnon, his half-brother, had sexually violated his precious sister Tamar. In other words, Amnon's, Amnon and Absalom were from the same father. They were brothers. Absalom's sister Tamar was from a different mother. Amnon raped his stepsister, who was very close to Absalom. It enraged Absalom when he found out about it. And he waited for his father to step in and do something about what has happened to his sister. But when you read it in the Bible, time goes on and David does virtually nothing about Amnon's crime. And one can't help but wonder if David's passiveness wasn't spawned by the backwash of his own adultery. Hear this. How could the king discipline one of his boys for lack of control in the same area he failed to conquer? Did you follow what I asked? Dad, moms, grandmas and grandpas, it's awfully hard to correct our children when they do something wrong in the same area we did something wrong in. You can go ahead and say amen, oh me, or help him, Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? Maybe that's why the Bible says about Christians judging Christians, and I feel a whoop, glory coming on. Maybe that's why the Bible says about brothers and sisters judging one another, men judging men, women judging in the body of Christ, when it says, be very careful to take care of the beam sticking out of your own eye before you try to mess with the little speck in somebody else's eyes. Help me preach or I'll preach all by myself. You know, Don, that's my words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe David could not correct Amnon because he hadn't yet repented of his adultery. Repented or not, he failed his son there. You've learned the saying, when things really go from bad to worse, you've heard the saying, all hell break loose. That's what happened in David's household. Absalom was frustrated by his father's indifference toward the rape of his sister by his brother. So Absalom took matters in his own hands. A month went by. Two months Two years went by and David did nothing about Amnon raping Absalom's sister. And Absalom could stand it no more. It tormented him. So he called a family feast. 
And he asked for all the king's sons to come to his house on a given evening. And they would have a, a big banquet. And Amnon was invited. Absalom's brother. David did not go. And Absalom prearranged with some of his servants. That at this feast when all of my brothers come. And I give you the word or the nod. I want you to kill Amnon. I'll take care of you with my father. You just kill him. The feast took place. Absalom was there. Amnon was there. And many of the other king's sons, because he had about 70 of them. And Amnon was killed. And all the other sons left the place of gathering, fearing that they would be killed. And when the news got back, to David that Amnon was killed and Absalom was responsible, the Bible said that Absalom ran for his life. He ran so far, he, he, he ran to his grandfather's house. And for a season of time, David wept over the death of Amnon being murdered by his son Absalom. And then the Bible goes on to say that what did not take place here, that should have taken place, that David should have fixed, caused Absalom to take matters in his own hands. Help me hear somebody. If we do not do right and correct wrong, we may empower our children to seek revenge or make things right in the wrong way. You know what's going on in our school systems in America. I am appalled. There was one occasion where I saw on the news, and then of course my wife being a principal for six years and also an administration, and we have school teachers here. I'm appalled when I see video on buses. Officer Eddie Kirk is right here, and he's, he is uh, one of the officers at one of the schools here in the county. His full-time job is to be there in the county school to protect our kids from our kids. If that wasn't bad enough, there are mothers who tell our daughter, you can whip her after school, and she gets off the bus, you tear into her. There are fathers who will tell sons, you are bigger and stronger than he is. You beat the daylights out of him. My friends, my brothers and sisters, that's not God's way. Somebody say amen. But that's what happened to David's household that he regrets. David did not rebuke Amnon. David did not put Amnon in his place and make him apologize and punish him. So therefore it empowered Absalom to do what he should have never done. It's never right what he did, but he did it because his father neglected his responsibility. Somebody say amen. You see, David, David should have come along to Absalom right after Tamar was raped. And David should have said, son, I have failed you. I have failed you as a model, as a father. 
I failed you when justice needed to be served on your brother Amnon for the rape of your sister Tamar. And because I failed you, even after Absalom killed his brother, David should have gone and found him at his grandfather's house and said, I drove you to take matters into your own hands and I'm sorry and I want you to forgive me. But there's no talk of that in the Bible. David never did it. You know, sometimes it's not only good for the parents to instruct the children to apologize and ask forgiveness for disrespect of their mother, grandmother, pastor, or coach, or them. It's always appropriate for parents and grandparents and adults in leadership to teach kids how to ask forgiveness and apologize. But sometimes we parents need to understand that we might have to apologize to our children for failing to be what God wants us to be to them. Here's a third thought, please, and I won't belabor it. Among the regrets that David has, he regrets that he did not encourage, but rather became embittered. In chapter 13, no need to turn it, turn it, let me just refer it. If you take notes, you can go later. In chapter 13 of 2 Samuel, verse 37. Here we are told that after Absalom had killed Amnon, his brother, and fled to his grandfather's house. The Bible said David grieved much because of Absalom's absence. After David got over mourning the death of Amnon, the scripture says in 2 Samuel 13 verse 39, and the king longed to go to Absalom. The New Living Translation said he couldn't bring Amnon back, but Absalom was still his son. And if you're a good dad or a good mother, nobody has to make you love your children. It's instinctive for you to love your children, even though sometimes they can be unlovable. You were once a child, go ahead and say amen. The New Living Translation said he longed to be reunited with Absalom. And, and, and one is intrigued that David mourned every day to be reunited with Absalom. And the question is, why didn't he swallow his pride and go find him? Can I get a witness here, somebody? Absalom stayed away three years living with his grandfather, while all the time David is grieving and mourning, not no longer for the death of Amnon, but for a restored relationship with his child. And, and I bring that to your attention because what David allowed to take place is something that none of us should allow to take place in any relationship. He became bitter with Absalom. He allowed himself to be enraged and bitter and when he got over it and his heart yearned to go with him, he still didn't go after him. 
And, and the only thing we're told that happened is in 2 Samuel 14 verses, verse 23 and 24. He instructed Joab, David instructed Joab, his military general, to go and bring Absalom from his grandfather's house back to Jerusalem. And he said it like this. Let him return to his own house. Meaning, Joab, when you go to my father's house and get my son Absalom, don't bring him to the palace. Let him go to his own house. Do not let him see my face. What kind of relationship is that? So Absalom returned to his own house, but did not see the king's face. Everybody still with me? Say amen. Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem and never once saw his dad. Even though he was just across the city, not very far from the palace, it seemed as though they were half a world apart. Because of David's pride, he denies himself the privilege and the joy of seeing his son, not just for two years or three years, but five years went by before he saw his son. That should not happen in our families. Help me, church. Pastor, you don't know my son. Pastor, you don't know my daughter. And you're absolutely right. Pastor, you don't know my ex-boss or my ex-wife or my ex-husband. Pastor, you don't know what they did and you're absolutely right. And, and our human emotions sometimes make us bitter and sad and, and, and we just want nothing to do with them. But let nothing separate you from the love of God. The Bible said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayers. Somebody say amen. And if you want a personal revival, it begins with your wife. It begins with your children. And if they never ask you to forgive them, the Bible says we ought to forgive anyhow. It brings healing. Come on, give the Lord a praise in the house. I still got a few moments. I read some years ago. The story is told of a Spanish father who had a falling out with his son. His son's name being Paco. The father went some time without seeking reconciliation with his son. Eventually, the father tried to locate his son, but he was unsuccessful. He went to a local newspaper and put an ad in the paper that read like this. The father trying to find the son, put this ad in the paper. It said, Paco, meet me at the courthouse steps in the morning. All is forgiven, your father. Paco is a very common name in Spanish, as is the name John in English. And according to the story, the next morning, after the ad ran the evening before, the next morning there were at least 20 Pacos seeking reconciliation with their father. Anybody hearing this preacher? I got to hurry. Here's, here's a fourth regret he had, and perhaps this will be the final of the regrets that I need to move in haste. David regrets that his sins followed on to his son and that he was responsible for Absalom's own untimely death. I tell you this because David's neglect caused such distance, animosity, and turmoil in Absalom. 
that Absalom asked numbers of questions, one of which, why did my father bring me back from my grandfather's house and hadn't seen me in three years since I've been back home? I thought he loved me. And it made him so bitter, he said, I'm going to gain my father's throne. And Absalom set up a conspiracy to dethrone his father and take over the throne of Israel. If you know your Bible and you know that to be true, say amen. He hired his own army, his soldiers. He found favor with the people. And the Bible said David and his wives and his concubines and his children and his palace staff and his entourage of perhaps 200 or more people had to leave his palace in Jerusalem and they fled on foot and some on animal back through the hot desert and the cold nights running for his life. David went running for his life because now his son Absalom was seeking his life, David's life. You know what I found out? They tell us that the son of an abuser will likely become an abuser. They tell us that the son of an alcoholic or an addict will likely become an alcoholic or an addict. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We already know that children that are born into this world are born with some diseases in their bodies that they did not bring in their bodies. It came through the father's or mother's bloodline because of sin. Somebody here help me out. I'm not saying that every child born with a mal malfunction or, or uh, any kind of uh, disability is because of sin. But I'm saying that many children born in this world have been born in this world because of the sins of the mothers and the fathers. Somebody help me out here. Oh, give a Lord a praise, somebody. But I'll tell you something else I found out. I found out in many cases the son of a preacher will most likely become a preacher. I found out the daughter of a preacher might most likely become like a mother, the, a preacher herself. Come on and help me. I found out the son of an electrician might like want to be like his dad and be an electrician. Give me an amen. I found out the son of a plumber might like what his daddy's doing and want to become a, 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 a plumber. I found out that if you teach what is right, they will model that. If you teach what is wrong, they'll model that. God help us to model what we want in our children. Godly priorities. So, put on the screen Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. What can we learn very quickly? What can we learn from David's tragedy? I'm not going to belabor them. They're very simple, so you don't need an elaboration on them. But, but here's the kind of man God wants Alan Matura to be. And God wants you, sir, and I'm just, just speaking about a father or a grandfather or a great-grandfather. I'm talking about single men. I'm talking about teenage. I'm talking about men. And I'm talking about women also right now. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Leave it right there. God wants men to be careful with whom they hang out with. Come on, somebody say amen. God wants men to be careful to whom they listen to. 
Go at the next, if you will. And the verse says, yes. The verse says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Oh, I feel a hallelujah. Let, let, listen, I, I am going to let you go to your barbecue or, or whatever, okay? I'm not, but this is yours in God's time, okay? What I'm feeding you right now, money can't buy, and it's not because of me, okay? What I'm feeding you right now, you may have to go wait in line at O'Charlie's or Golden's or Red Lobster, but money can't buy what I'm feeding you right now. And another thing, you might be glad that I'm delaying you a little bit because you might be praying, God, I don't know where we're going, but I need some money to pay for my Father's Day food. I almost wore the outfit that one of my daughters brought me for Father's Day. Jennifer, the elder of our two daughters, and now expecting our second granddaughter, we found out last week. Yeah. She and her husband, they minister in a church as long as, as well as the work they do. So she brought me Father's Day, a Father's Day outfit. It's a uh, sleeveless top shirt, tank kind of top looking like, no sleeve, no collars. And it's black. And it says, Sunday, fun day, right in front, in neon colors. She bought me a pair of swim shorts and some flip-flops. And ain't long from now, I'm going on vacation, and we're going to have a good time then, son. We're going to have a good time, girl. What was I preaching? Give me just a few moments. This is the kind of man God wants. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in the season whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does, it shall prosper. That's, that, that's the kind of man. That's the kind of man. Here, put it on the screen. Go, go with me. Follow with me. Okay, here I go. This is what God wants. He wants us to be man who listens. He wants us to be not just listen with our ears, but listen with our minds. He wants us to affirm our children, not only beat them down all the time. Can I get an Amen. If they do good, praise them, applaud them. He wants us to deal with wrong. Don't bat your eye and say it was a mistake. If it was wrong, correct them in love. What kind of lesson we should learn? He wants us to communicate with our children and don't just assume everything's okay. He wants us to hear the unspoken messages. Our children don't have to come home and tell us something's wrong. You can look at their face. Five more. Put it on the screen very carefully. We must, we must realize the struggle. Number seven. We must stand up for the truth, dads. Can I get an amen? Let me tell you something. Just because an NBA star is doing it, if the Bible says it's wrong, that means it's wrong. Just because a television talk show host is doing it, or some movie star, or somebody else is doing it, or even the president of us, or anybody else is doing it, just because they say it's okay, or the Supreme Court says it's okay, if the Bible says thou shalt not, that's what you should take. We must be available. We must hold on to integrity. And number 10, we must talk and solve the problems. Come to the music. Leave it on the screen. I want to close with a brief story on number eight. We must be available. As they play softly, focus your attention right here. 
A man came home from work late again, tired and irritated. He found his five-year-old son waiting for him at the door. Daddy, excitedly the son asked, may I ask you a question? The dad replied, yeah, sure. What is it? Daddy, how much money do you make an hour? The dad got mad and said, that's none of your business. What do you want to know? The little boy said, I just want to know. Please tell me, how much do you make an hour? The dad, wanting to sit down and relax, said, if you must know, I make $20 an hour. The little boy sighed and bowed his head. And looking up, he asked, Daddy, may I borrow $10, please? The father flew off the handle. Father said, if the only reason you want to know how much money I made is so that you could hit me up for some cash to buy some stupid toy, then you march yourself up straight to your room right now and go to bed. You are so selfish. I work long, hard hours every day, and I don't have time for this. The boy quietly went up to his room and shut the door. The dad sat down and started, he started to get even madder at the nerve of his little boy. How dare he ask questions only to get some money? But after an hour or so, the dad had calmed down and he started to think that maybe he was a, a bit hard on his son. Maybe his son really needed the money for something important. And after, after the, a little while, the father went up to his boy's room and opened the door and he said, are you asleep, son? No, daddy. I'm awake, the boy replied. I, I've been thinking, I've been thinking maybe I was too hard on you earlier, son. It's been a long day and I took it out on you. Here's the 10 bucks you asked for. The little boy sat straight up in the bed, beaming. Oh, thank you, thank you, daddy, he exclaimed. Then reaching under his pillow, he pulled out, the little boy did, a wad of crumpled up bills. The dad, seeing the boy had already had some money, started to get angry all over again. The little boy slowly counted out the money in his hand, and then he looked up at his dad. Now the dad ticked off, demanding to know what was going on. Why did you want more money if you already had some? The little boy replied, because I didn't have enough. But now I do, daddy, now I do. I have $20 now. And I'd like to buy an hour of your time. Bow your heads, please. Every male, every male in the house, only if you want to, but I hope you would want to, who would say, Pastor, I want few regrets or no regrets from now to the rest of my life. Pastor, I may never be president, king. I may never own my own company. 
I may never even, even be debt-free, although I'd like to be. Nobody may put my name on the front of a newspaper or my picture on the cover of a magazine, and I never have my name on neon lights. But, Pastor, I want to have few regrets. I may not be a father. I may not be a grandfather. I, I may only, right now, I'm just a son. I may not even know where my father is. He may not even know where I am. But as a male, I want few or no regrets. I want God to help me. If that's you, saved or not saved, I want you to stand while every head's bowed. All male in the house, every man in the house, if you'll stand, I'll pray over you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Thank you, Jesus. I'm standing. If I could stand taller, I'd stand taller. I need to be this way. And now, gentlemen, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but when you reach up, both of your hands, it's like you're reaching up to touch God, so let him touch your hands. Men, women, and everybody else, I know that you ladies are seated, but you raise your hands right now because the person standing here belong to you and you to them in some way. Not for everybody, but everybody raise that. Everybody lift up a prayer right now. Dads, men, young men, right now, pray over your life in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody help me pray. I know I'm out of time, but this is time well spent. Father, I pray right now on this Father's Day 2013 that we will learn the lessons. Come on, man, you just begin to pray. Ladies, you begin to pray. We will learn the lessons of those in Scripture and those in our real world who have regrets and they're trying to tell us, don't you have those regrets? Oh God, forgive us where we have failed you. Would you say, would you say amen to that? Oh God, we have not been perfect men. Would you say amen to that? We, we have said things we shouldn't say. We have looked at stuff on TV and video and the internet that at times we should not have looked at and we ask you to forgive us. Say amen to that. We have used language we should not have used. Men and women, everybody say amen to that. Oh God, in, instead of asking for forgiveness, we've become bitter at times. We ask you to forgive us. Instead of being an example, we have sent our kids to church and not brought them ourselves. And we ask you to forgive us. The mistakes we've made with our children, don't let it happen with our grandchildren. Come on and say amen. God, we used to read our Bible more, but we used to pray more, God. We used to have a family altar, God. We used to come to church together, Lord. We used to give more freely. We used to spend more time. Our children don't need to ask us to buy our time. Oh God, you are our Father and you give us your time freely. And you forgive us freely. You are our priest and our provider. And I pray that we would be, oh God, our priest and provider and protector of our family and marriages. And everybody who agrees, say amen. Put your hands together. Everybody else stand up. Put your hands Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.